0: How can libertarians take on the duopoly and win? Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics. Teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Thursday, there, folks. Brian Nickel here on the Brian Nickel Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host. Joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely Eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannickelshow.com forward slash Stratus IP. Stratus IP, business technology simplified. Folks, libertarians are underdogs. The game, it's rigged against us. The Republicans and Democrats, they have colluded by effectively preventing any third party from really having any chance at winning. So what should we do? Is it hopeless? Should we just give up? Well, we're going to discuss that on today's episode. But first, we're going to go ahead and give a shout out to today's sponsor. And that is our friends over at the Libertarian Party of Illinois, folks. Yeah, very topical for today's episode, folks. If you are up in the great state of Illinois and you want to not just find a third party, but a better party, please head to lpillinois.org and join the Libertarian Party of Illinois, who is helping move, yes, uh, the Libertarians in Illinois and the rest of Illinois in a more Libertarian direction. The LP of Illinois believes that everyone owns themselves and that no bureaucrat knows better than what you need or what you want. When peaceful people engage in voluntary cooperation, the most number of people are served. And if you agree, help us restore liberty in Illinois at lplinois.org and bring back peace and liberty in our lifetimes. One more time, lpillinois.org. All right, libertarians, let's talk about this. So, yeah, the good news. Underdogs, they win all the time. David beat Goliath. Washington beat the British Empire. Trump beat Hillary. The Viet Cong, they beat the U.S. military. Microsoft beat IBM. Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Heck, Nigel Farage helped beat and take down the European Union. Yeah, it's essential lessons that libertarians, we must learn from these in order to have any semblance of success, and that's why I thought it was very important for us to go back to an awesome episode we had at the end of 2020 with good friend Kurt Libertarian from Checkmate the State over on his awesome Substack. And he did this very article Guerrilla Politics. How can libertarians take on the duopoly and win? We're going to go ahead and check out that argument right now. So, with that being said, onto the show, Kurt Libertarian here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey Brian, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Kurt, thank you first and foremost for joining us here on the Brian Nichols Show and my goodness my friend, you are always up to no good or at the very least you're up to some libertarian <laughs> good over on Twitter um, and all social media. You're fighting the good fight and I think you're doing the, the thing that a lot of libertarians have trouble with and that is being able to articulate what it means to be a libertarian, what libertarian policies are in terms of I- impacting real people in, in you know their real lives. So First and foremost, Kurt, you've built up a, a pretty nice following over on social media. I know if I were to go over to your Twitter, you have around 20 plus thousand followers. So, you're you're speaking to people and they're hearing what you're saying and they're liking what you're saying. So, what do you think so, so how about this? Let's start off here. What brought you into this libertarian uh world that you find yourself in number 1. Number 2, what is it that you're speaking to that people are are finding themselves really resonating and sticking around and listening to you about?
1: Oh, that's a that's a good question. So, like my story for becoming a libertarian, um, I would probably give the most credit actually to Donald Trump for turning me into a libertarian. Um, just because, you know, I always considered myself kind of a libertarian leaning Republican before that. You know, I liked Ron Paul, I voted for him in the primaries, but I didn't join the revolution. But um, when, when, uh Donald Trump came on the scene I was kind of like okay maybe maybe I'm not a republican anymore <laughs> that was, uh, um I'm not sure what it was about him that that spurred me to think that so uh but I decided to look into it and say maybe I'm a full blown libertarian so went out there and um really dug deep into what libertarian philosophy was and found out that yeah this is this is where I'm at this makes the most sense for for me so as far as what I'm I'm speaking to with people you know I'm I'm not sure it was a, it it it's kind of as surprising to me as it is to anybody else that I, I've built the following that I have. Um, it's maybe it's it's just that I spend way too much time on Twitter. I think that might be a, <laughs> a, a big part of it. But um, definitely, my my focus is on on trying to take somewhat complicated concepts because you know libertarianism we do deal with you know nuanced arguments and. Right. Um, you know, maybe counterintuitive ideas um, and and try and make them a little bit more understandable and applicable to what's going on and and making sure that they, they make sense to someone who hasn't read Milton Friedman and Murray Rothbard and listened to every Tom Woods episode and things like that. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of what my focus is on.
0: For sure. And and I guess, you know, looking at where we are right now as a movement, uh, you know, we're still kind of licking some wounds from from 2020. And I say that, you know, I'm not trying to, to poke fun at, at a, you know, Candidate Joe Jorgensen, Dr. George Jorgensen. I think she's a fantastic uh, lady. I think you know she's obviously a great, a, you know a great libertarian. But I'm not sure if she was a great necessarily candidate for libertarian ideals and it's interesting because I know, you know, despite, you know, I've had her on the show multiple times, I think, you know, she's a great lady. I just I think we're seeing across the board she wasn't really enthusiasm uh, or wasn't really inspiring enthusiasm in in the base. Like we were hoping to see in a candidate this year and we had a lot of folks now kind of trying to figure out what is the next step for the Libertarian Party, you know, do we go more towards an activist, somebody who's a radical activist, or do we go back towards, you know, somebody who's more of a traditional politician or at least elected official who has that resume built up? You now, I'm saying, you know, we we need to do a, a two party or a two part approach rather, not two party necessarily, but it could include two party. Don't mind you, because um, I'm much more on board with using the GOP and the Democratic parties as a vessel if we can get liberty ideas into uh, into action. So. You you went ahead, you have a substack, and it's a fantastic read over at, uh, it's Checkmate the State, and the article it went, I think, kind of viral, uh, it was Guerrilla Politics, How Libertarians Can Take on the Duopoly and Win. And that right there is the key that we have been really dropping the ball on is the win part, right? We're, we're all good about, you know, talking <laughs> a big game against the, uh, the, the Republican and Democratic duopoly. But we've been not doing a successful job in actually getting libertarians, number one, into office. And number two, libertarian, I say small L, libertarian policy into action. So... Let's kind of start off here, Kurt. You you decided to write this awesome article, Guerrilla Politics, and it, it's a phenomenal read. It's unfortunately, uh, you know, at length something that I know we cannot even begin to uh, to dig into as as much as we deserve to in the confines of the program. So I'm going to be including the link so folks can go ahead and uh, give it a read, bef- uh, you know, afterwards, so, or if they want to pause right here, go ahead and give it a read. Um, but let's kind of do the the quick SparkNotes overview of. Guerrilla politics. What got you writing this article, and really, what was the main focus um, of this uh, this article? How libertarians can actually take on the duopoly and win?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the the reason you asked me to come on the show earlier is um, because a lot of people were having the attitude that you had, uh, you were just discussing on on Twitter that hey, you know, G- Joe Jorgensen was maybe a bit of a disappointment in terms of the vote total, and the whole time I was just like taking a victory lap for um <laughs> saying it was it was exactly what needed to happen uh, which was surprising a lot of people but th- the reason i um i, I was saying that sh- it was a victory lap is because um i originally b- before we even ran i i thought that the purpose of running it, her in the election was to spoil the election <laughs> for uh for the candidate so and and she did um get enough votes to um to cover the span between the two, poli- or the, the the two main candidates, um, which which means she accomplished what what I was hoping she would do, right? She got enough votes in those those key main um, uh, battleground states to to spoil the election, and so that was that was um, what what prompted me to write it. Is you know a lot of people were asking, "Hey, spoiling the election? How is that a victory for libertarians?" So th- that's um, really what I. Uh, I I wanted to accomplish is to explain the thought process and the reasoning behind why I think that's such a victory for us and why, you know, why we we didn't lose in uh, um, 2016 or 2020. We accomplished what we needed to. And now we just need to we just need to leverage that um, that status that we have as spoilers to get the policy wins that we need.
0: So, I know when we go to look at your, uh, your sub stack in, in this article, again, guerrilla, uh, guerilla politics, the, the one of the reasons, and you go through a step by step reason of why libertarians always fail. I'm going to read quickly here. You say, many libertarians have abandoned the idea of victory through the political system. They look at failure of past political efforts and conclude it's hopeless. They are right if we keep doing the same thing. With a few exceptions, libertarians have followed a single political strategy. Step one, convert people to libertarianism, step two, win elections, step three, change policy. This strategy has always failed, and it will always fail. So, instead of uh, reading further, Kurt, why, why will it always fail? (laughs) Well, so the the narrow point
1: of, or the, the broader point, I guess, of the article that I wrote is that libertarians... Um, are underdogs right we the the whole system is stacked against us and we can list all the reasons that the system is stacked against us um, there, there are many many reasons um, but um, the, the point is that in in whether we're talking war whether we're talking business sports um, politics underdogs win all the time and it's the, the point that I'm making is we need to look at those underdog wins and see what they did that set them apart from any other um, uh, from from other underdogs that lost, and and the the main things that I came away with is is there's three things that they did that are really successful. One is they they never challenged the opponents on their terms, right? Like, I, I mean, it, you know, an example I give is George Washington, right? When he, he tried to fight the British, the way that the British wanted to fight, you know, lined up with uniforms and shooting across the field, he he always lost, right? But when he took on those guerrilla tactics, when he you know, went across a river and on Christmas at night, attacking some like obscure outpost or something like that. That's where he got his greatest victories, right? So, so he he um he, he never challenged those those opponents on their own terms uh when when he won. Um, another really important thing is just to find and exploit um our opponents' weaknesses, and the other one is um, you know, find. Unofficial rules, like I, I'm, I definitely am not advocating that we break official rules to get this done, but unofficial rules that are out there to, uh, to, to um, break those to to give us an advantage, right? Mm-hmm. And so the problem with those that, that that policy or that that strategy that you laid out is it does none of those things, right? If if we're saying hey, step one to to us having success is to convert people to libertarianism, you know that's that's really playing on our opponents, um, our, our, our opponents' own terms, and it's. Putting it in a center position where we're at a disadvantage right they have control of the media, they have control of the education system, they have control of uh, you know the the current political system so trying to to go out and convert people when we're the cards are stacked against us that much you know that's just that's just asking for failure right um even even winning elections right we're talking about all the things that are stacked against us they won't even let us in debates, much less you know I mean it's just a huge challenge just to get ballot access in some states. There's, there's just so many things that the duopoly has been able to rig the game against us. Um, and so, you know, again, we're p- challenging them on their own terms when we do that as well. And then the third thing, you know, once, let's say that somehow we're able to pull all that off and get, let's say, you know, next election, we get um, the Justin Amash elected by some miracle, right? Right. Um, you know, even in that situation, there's a lot of things that are in, in place to prevent us from even changing the policy, right? So so the, the question that I have is how can we change the way that we look at it? How can we kind of throw out that old policy or that old that old strategy of converting people to libertarianism, winning elections, and changing policy? Is there a way that we can bypass steps? Is there a way that we can, you know, maybe find some weaknesses in the, the current election system that we can exploit? To go ahead and get policy wins with maybe without following any of those steps. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure. So in and you actually you start to just touch on this in the article. You say, I want to be perfectly clear, the only strategy that'll work for libertarians is, number one, focus maniacally, and this is what we were just talking about, on changing policy at the expense of everything else. Now, this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna question a little bit, right? Because I'm curious here. You say, yes, even at the expense of winning elections or changing hearts and minds. So I ask you, Kurt. How can we do both? How can we change policy that's, I guess, for the positive, and at the same point in time, not, I guess, not win over said hearts and minds along the way with said policy? Because if, I guess, this is my fear, right? And I'll, I'll premise, I'll set the premise for this entire, um, you know, I, I don't disagree <laughs> at all with the point, but if we were to, <laughs> if you were to go against the overlying, you know, majority kind of opinion. I think it opens the door for kickback. I think it opens the door for some resentment at the the behest just that this was not an across-the-board decision. It feels like it was forced from the top down in a kind of sneaky kind of way, and I think it might ruin trust, which now in sales, one of the biggest things I'm focused on is building trust. So I guess that's where my my number one red flag kind of came out when I was reading your, your um, article here on guerrilla politics. So help me out there with this maniacally focusing on changing policy at the expense of everything else
1: so yeah no that that is a completely valid point, and the truth is um you know making um the uh the the, the duopoly resent us is actually kind of the point of of um of spoiling the election right um it's finding leverage against them to to use against them is is what the the uh the strategy basically is and if you think about it, i mean that is really how strat or how policy has changed right you don't really see. Um, a lot of examples of situations where um the the voters just wanted a, a change made right they voted in the right people and then and then the policy changed because of that really when when you see policy change it 's because um you know a small group of people gain leverage over- pay, people in power and and use that leverage to get the policy change right so so I think that's kind of the way that we need to look at it now now, I do realize that like uh, changing hearts and minds—that is going to be an important thing to do. It's not as though we can we can do this without any libertarians. But I think you know we've we've put ourselves in a mindset where whenever we're thinking strategy, the 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 default um, thought process that we go to is we're thinking, okay, what's the strategy to make more people into libertarians? Um, and and I I really want to get us out of that default thought process where when we're saying. Uh, when we're asking what strategy should we pursue, we're saying what strategy should we pursue to actually get some policy wins instead of just thinking in that narrow way, what strategy are we going to pursue to, to turn people into libertarians, right? Does that make, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure. Because one of the things you're you're touching on, I think, is more like the the Young Americans for Liberty approach, right? So I I've just had Cliff Maloney on the show back here a couple of weeks ago, and Young Americans for Liberty. I mean, they go out and they knock doors, and, and the number he, that Cliff gave me that still blows me away every time I, I talk about it. One out of every nine doors they knock, they're going to go ahead and get a vote. Uh, for their candidate and they're doing a majority of their door knocking for GOP candidates, but that's not simply because they only support GOP candidates, because they're supporting really GOP candidates as a vessel to enact liberty policy. Now, are they all pure libertarians? No, and, and I honestly when I you know talked about this with Cliff in the show, <laughs> we both laugh because uh, do we expect them to be pure libertarians? Um, and I don't think, you know, anybody should be expecting anybody to be a pure libertarian across the board when we're, we're talking about electoral politics. Um, but to your point, it is interesting because if we were able to enact, you know, these liberty policies in these kind of covert ways, you know, yes, it, it's not necessarily maybe libertarians, big L libertarians that are winning the elections. But rather, it's these small L libertarians that we are kind of sneaking into the traditional big, uh, you know, two party systems. And, and that's kind of the approach. I, I do hear the merit uh, and I've, I've heard it before. You know, we should be trying to, to infiltrate these, these two big parties going forward to, to get some libertarian ideas at the very least as an alternative to whatever the mainstream is in those respective communities. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to com forward slash wine and get five dollars off your order. One more time, com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Um, I, there's a a saying, and I'm, I, I wish I knew who to attribute it to that, you know, in a constitutional system, like we have, you coalition before elections. Um, and then, you know, in a parliamentary system, you, you coalition after elections. Right. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think that's really true. You know, that's, that's the way it works. Like if you look at the, the Republicans, their coalition of, you know, maybe like, um, religious Right. Uh, maybe some populist elements, uh, some libertarian elements, uh, maybe some neocons. If you look at the the Democrats, they have progressives and you know Hillary Clinton style liberals and uh, you know college elites, things like that. They 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 each created a coalition. And and really, I actually think of the LP, and I'm a I'm a fan of the LP. I think it's a really valuable resource for us to use. But I think that the the value of the LP is actually more to get the, the most that we can out of the parties before we go ahead and coalition with them, right? There, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of negotiating power that comes from holding off um, from joining a coalition. And so I, I this really one way to look at the strategy that I lay out here is just a way for us to, to, to get um, as, as much concessions from them as possible before we go ahead and coalition with one of those parties. And, and I, I to To your point about the the young Americans for liberty i I actually call them out specifically in the article. Yes, you do <laughs> um as a, a really great example of someone that or of a group that's 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 following the strategy of going of um not uh, um, challenging the opponents on their own terms. And, and kind of breaking unofficial rules, and they've had tremendous success. And I think that that's going to be something that's going to be really a great two prong approach to have, you know, the Libertarian Party in the background, working to, to get the most before we go ahead and coalition with one of the parties, and also to have, um, you know, Young Americans for Liberty working within the party to a certain degree, to go ahead and, and have really great Libertarian candidates. To take over, you know, at, at that point when we go ahead and, and decide to coalition with them, right. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And now, when you're you're talking about challenging the duopoly on their terms, this is specifically the, the examples you're referring to, right? Like actually going in, you know, having these liberty primaries in, you know, the Republican Party, forcing, you know, I, I think of the Dave Bratt situation um, where he took down Eric Cantor. And, you know, it, I'm not saying Dave, Dave Bratt was a, you know, libertarian icon by any stretch, but, you know, to look, that's how. The approach should be done is that is that kind of your your point here with challenging the duopoly on their terms
1: yeah so so challenging the duopoly on their terms wh- what I think of is um, a situation where uh, we're going in and we're playing um we're playing politics the way that we're expected to play politics right we're saying hey our goal is to Get the maximum number of votes that we can for our our candidates. We're you know begging the the two parties to allow us into the the debates, um, and and you know we're we're um, kind of accepting the terms that they've laid out. That in order to have any power, we need to have you know fifty one percent of the electorate vote for us, right? Well, when I say we need to to change the way that we. Um, the, the way that we play the the game, the way that we challenge them, and and not p- challenge them on their terms. I, I'm saying what we need to do is we need to to really focus on actually just spoiling the election, right? Because the strategy that you're going to use in that situation is going to be very different, right? If you if you are um, seeking to to spoil the election for a president, um, you're going to be campaigning in swing states. Um, You're going to be uh, focusing the messaging on maybe uh, attracting specific uh, demographic groups uh, to bring into the the coalition. Um, And and whereas if you you look at a situation where you're saying, hey, let's maximize votes, you know, things you might do is go do a national tour, you know, um, maybe do a sales pitch like, hey, if you're not in a, uh, uh, one of the the swing states vote for me. If you are in one of the swing states, go ahead and vote for um, vote for one of the major candidates, which was actually a message that we got out of the, the party um, at a few time, uh, in a few instances during the election. So I think you know that that 's what i 'm referring to is um, let's let 's focus on getting that leverage uh, by spoiling the elections instead of just seeking to, to maximize the amount of votes that we get if that makes sense.
0: So it does. And now to point three, find and ruthlessly exploit political weaknesses. Now, if we're looking at our friends on the, uh, the left, I would say more libertarians that listen to the Brian Nichols show tend to be in that conservatarian camp. I think that's fair to say it, at the very least, but you, know, Shit. With that being said, we can go after <laughs> we can go after the the folks in the left pretty easy, but it is sometimes difficult to, you know, look inward and, and go after some folks that we would say are potential allies. So I guess when we're looking at the, the Republican Party, are we looking at specifically those that would be like the quote unquote most like non friendly to liberty? So if I were to look in Republican world, for example, right? Like I would want to, instead of focusing my time on a, let's say, Rand Paul, spend that time focusing on a Lindsey Graham or a Tom Cotton or Marco Rubio.
1: So I, actually the the strategy that I would go after um, is I, I really think the biggest weakness is actually in the presidential election, right? Gotcha, because okay. you're going to have, you know, 150 million people that are going to be voting in that election. But a, a real serious weakness that they have is that if you can pill 100,000 votes um, away from, from the incumbent candidate in, um, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Florida, right, you've just changed the outcome of the election. <laughs> um, and, and you haven't won the election, right? You've only gotten you know, a few hundred thousand votes. But you you have um, put yourself in really a position of power. You've put yourself in a position where you are the the, the kingmaker, right? You're the person people that get to decide who the next president is going to be, and to a certain degree. And and uh, like I said, we're already to the point where we've we've done that, right? We've already um, uh, covered the the um, difference between the the um, the votes that that Joe Biden and and Donald Trump got in the last election. And so we already have that core competency. We can we can do some things to make ourselves a little bit more effective at, um, at at spoiling the election, to make it a little bit more obvious to the the two parties that we're the reason that they lost the election. Um, but the the next core competency that we need to have is to to leverage that that um, status as a spoiler to go ahead and get policy wins out of the uh, the. the two parties and in exchange for, for coalitioning with them, right? We we, are getting the most possible leverage by spoiling the election. And then we're offering to say, Hey, we'll, we'll go ahead and coalition with you. Once you, once you do the things that we're asking, once you, um, implement the policies that that we're outlining for you if that makes sense
0: yeah well it's funny you you're you're starting to talk about this because i was gonna say i usually do this after the show but i need to make an introduction because if you had not talked to uh, to chris spangle over the big channel yet so that's kind of the approach that chris took in a local perspective in indiana and now indiana libertarian politics is probably the most influential libertarian in i would say the united states from a state level to the point that they're actually having you know, real say on policy positions from a, a state perspective through the governor's mansion, and that's a big deal. Like that's a big deal, and and that was all because Chris really was was really focusing on being that alternative and and exploiting those different weaknesses as the alternative with the Libertarian Party. So going to step four, uh, break the unofficial rules of politics whenever it gives uh, us an advantage. That does not mean, however, we break the official rules. In fact. It is essential that we follow those election rules perfectly. So I'm guessing when we say break the unofficial rules of politics, right? We're talking about these these kind of rules that are set by the, the two party can't, you know, the true traditional traditional parties, like looking at the presidential debates, right? It's just the the two parties that are up there. You don't have the third party. So maybe a libertarian having a live stream alternative to the debate. Is that kind of something that you're saying as breaking these unofficial rules is, is really just trying to upset the apple cart?
1: Well, so I think um, and, and this is, this is, goes back to the point that I was making earlier about how um, the focus uh, we're, we're maybe a little too focused on the attracting people to um, to, to become libertarians as opposed to focusing on um, turning or using the leverage they already have to to get policy wins right in that in that example that you gave me that that, that is an example of someone breaking the rules um, in order to um, in order to, to spread the message a little bit right that's step one of our normal strategy but really what I want to be thinking about is is breaking some unofficial rules in order to get some of those policy wins right so so in the article I actually give um, a, a, an analogy of of David and Goliath right David or Goliath uh, when he went out and challenged the Israelites to single combat he was expecting someone to come out and fight him with a sword or a spear, right? Because that's how, that's the unofficial rule, right? When you fight someone in single combat, you fight hand to hand. And David didn't care about the unofficial rule. He just showed up with a, a sling and, and you know, hit a Goliath in the head, right? Um, it was... It, Almost like bringing a gun to a, a knife fight, right? Yeah. Um, so he he broke that unofficial rule, and he ended up winning. And so I, I really want us to be thinking about ways that we can do that. And and really, what I'm thinking when, when I say break an unofficial rule is, um, again, I'm saying let's let's stop focusing on getting the maximum number of votes. Right. That's that's a, kind of an unofficial rule in politics. When you run a politician, your goal is to get the maximum number of votes. Let's instead focus on, um, on on spoiling the election because like I said that strategy is very different than the strategy that you would use if you were seeking to to um, get the maximum number of votes and then like I said the, the second unofficial rule that I would I would have is you know offering to go ahead and and coalition with those other sides once they go ahead and um, and, and meet our our policy demands in a sense um, that that would be the second thing that I would do is, is use that leverage uh, to get the, those policy wins out of the the two major parties.
0: Can I give some pushback now? Cause I have to be a little bit of a, a pain in the butt every now and then. Oh, so, of course. <laughs> so with this, of this I, I had a little bit of a, another red flag, right? So doesn't number four, um, if we're now trying to promote it from a Liberty, like getting actually policy in perspective, getting enacted, Could it not maybe go in conflict with number one if we end up getting non-liberty-focused candidates elected as a result of our spoiling? So for example, right, let's say we have a a candidate running as a hyper-progressive against Thomas Massey, and a libertarian who is like a 99.99% libertarian over Thomas Massey's 97% libertarian uh decides to go against Massey and in there being a spoiler on those what 2% if that difference is with Massey that they end up pulling enough of the vote from Massey that the progressive candidate wins and yields a net negative in terms of actually getting liberty enacted for that respective community couldn't that necessarily be a means of not getting policy being changed at the expense of everything else
1: well no you know actually, I think the point that you're making is a very good one, but I actually think that that is more of a concern under the existing framework that we have right now, because again, our thought process is hey let's build the the poli- or the party let's get the most um that we can in terms of uh, of getting the the biggest um uh, election turnout, the most votes for our candidates. We're not thinking in terms of, hey, what can we do um, from a, 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 a maybe thinking out of the box standpoint to to get the the best results possible. So under this framework, again, the the, the focus is let's coalition with the, the major parties as soon as we're in a situation where it makes sense, right? That's something that we're going to to really incorporate into the LP's policy. And, and that is a, a perfectly legitimate position or situation where I would want to coalition with the major parties, right? If they're nominating someone like a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey, that's a very good reason for us to say, okay, it's time for the libertarian party to go ahead and suspend our campaign and throw our support behind this, this very libertarian minded candidate. And and with the f- current framework that the party has, I don't think that that would be a a, um, a decision that they would make, right? It's, it's the, the focus is on building the party instead of, instead of, um, you know, getting the, the, uh, the policy done that we want to. Does that
0: make sense? <laughs> I laugh because uh, we had the former chairman saying that if Dick Cheney ran as a libertarian, that he would he would in- endorse that, and because it would get more votes <laughs> for the Libertarian Party, which I get is the job of the the chairman's role, which. I don't necessarily agree. Being the goal of the Libertarian Party, instead of just to get votes, but actually, you know, what's the the goal? I think it's to enact liberty, right? And that's why I'm I'm much more friendly with using uh alternative means, being you know like the GOP or the Democratic Party. I understand, you know, that actually goes right into number five uh, of your final um step by step process here in your guerrilla politics article on Substack, and that is gain leverage over politicians and exercise that leverage to get policy wins and again i think it goes you know kind of full circle that's exactly what we've been talking about is you know having kind of that spoiler role to you know, either get them to come to the table and actually have a conversation hear your points out or you'll continue to spoil these elections and yield uh, more i guess resentment or, or dis- dissatisfaction with the with the existing status quo system and push people to maybe look at alternatives is that a, a fair summary of a uh, step five
1: Well, I mean, the way that I look at it is, I think that the existing two parties have basically, um, they've kind of found a hack uh, for for democracy, in a a sense, where they've discovered that they don't really have to do anything good. All they have to do is scare their base that the other side is terrible, right? Um, And so as long as they know that all they have to do is say, hey, you know." Donald Trump is a fascist, or hey, Joe Biden is, you know, in the pocket of AOC and the the radical left, and do nothing of value for um, the the their constituents. Nothing is going to be done, right? And so um, I I think of this as kind of a way to restore, you know, that that leverage that um, that voters have in a way uh, to get policy in exchange for their vote, right? So so the, the sales pitch that we make to people is, hey, withhold your vote from the politician this time around, right? Because they haven't done anything for you and they're not going to do anything for you as long as they think that they can get away with it just by scaring you. Um, and and um, vote for the libertarian candidate because that will give them an idea of the reason why you withheld your vote. That, that'll give them a reason to know uh, what direction they need to move in order to to earn your vote um, and then once they they go ahead and start doing what they need to once they s- figure out that they can't just you know come to you and say uh you know the other guy's a fascist to, or, to earn your vote um then you can go ahead and, and give your vote to them right but but they need to actually earn your vote they need to do um what what uh, do do what we're asking them to do to to restore liberty and to promote pos- prosperity um, I- instead of just just scaring us <laughs> um, <laughs> about the other guy if that makes sense. So oh, it's yes. it's a way to restore leverage to the voter instead of to the special interests.
0: Yep, no, for sure, man, Kurt, we could go on, man. This is is so well uh written and well thought out now there's definitely a little bit from like the uh, the sales pitch of stuff that I think you and I off air we can we can refine and and and, <laughs> and tool but I think overall well, sure. this is a a great I mean honestly this is a great uh starting off point I think for for folks who are looking for an alternative to what' has really been the uh, the status quo playbook from the greater, uh, Liberty, uh, political arm. So with that being said, obviously checkmate the state, a fantastic read, uh, for your sub stack, uh, guerrilla politics, Kurt it's checkmate the state. Where else can folks go ahead and follow you obviously on Twitter, um, but other social media and so forth.
1: Yeah. So, um, Twitter is definitely the main place to find me. Uh, my handle is just checkmate state. No, no the, in the Twitter handle, but, um, feel free to, to give a follow and and read the article and see see what it is that we're talking about because it does lay out the the process that I have in mind and and to your point that you made earlier that's a, that's a really good point this is a rough draft um, I I lay out the the strategy that I think makes the most sense um, and and the tactics that we can use to to leverage that strategy but any feedback that we have any ways that we can refine it to make it work better you know that the more that we have
0: um, uh,
1: input from other people, the better the strategy is going to work if if we actually can get it implemented. So I appreciate any feedback that anybody gives.
0: Absolutely. Well, hey, that's how the market works, right? Like we go by, we put the the product on the marketplace and then people tell us what they like, what they don't like, what they think will work, what they don't think will work. And then we test it and then we see well, did the product work? Did it flop? Did the strategy work? Did it flop? And then we can learn from it. And then it's a, it's a very quirky uh, bumper sticker staying, but mistakes are proof you're trying. Uh, and you know, Hey, we have a lot of bruises as libertarians. We have a lot of mistakes and it shows we've tried. Now it's to learn from those mistakes, right? That now it's the next step. And I think this is a great yeah. next step here with that being said. So Kurt, I will include the link to this amazing Substack read guerrilla politics. I'll include the link to uh, your, your social media. So it's easier for folks to go ahead and follow you over on Twitter. Uh, with that being said, Kurt, I think this is the, the first of uh, many episodes of you joining us here on the Brian Nichols show to come. Thank you so much.
1: All right. Thanks for inviting me.
0: All righty, folks, that's going to wrap up our uh, throwback episode there with Kurt Libertarian. How can we take on the state, the duopoly and win? Well, we do so by guerrilla politics. If you enjoyed today's episode, well, please. Do me a favor, go ahead and give today's episode a share. When you do tag Kurt and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. And by the way, folks, we are reaching quite literally tens of thousands of folks every single month here at the Brian Nichols Show. So please, if you are getting value from the program, I want to hear about it. Email me. Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com or share your thoughts with the world. Give us a five-star rating and review over wherever it is you get your podcast. But specifically, if you could do me a favor, go to either BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash reviews or Apple Podcasts. Either way, five stars. Tell us why you get value from the program and what keeps you coming back each and every episode. And by the way, yes, so this is the first day of December I'm just going to give you guys a heads up. Come January, some stuff's going to be changing. Yeah, we're going to have a couple of changes here and there. Nothing major, I promise, but a little tinkering. And more so, it's because we're we're changing the show a little bit. We're growing. We're seeing more and more value being asked of from you guys. And To be frank, in order to do that, we have to do a little bit of things differently here. So with that, yes, we're going to be changing a few things, adding a few monetized uh, monetized options. And uh, yeah, guys, it's going to be a great change because it's also going to open up a lot of opportunity for us to help you guys, uh, where you guys have been asking for some help. And by the way, one of the areas we are already starting off, and I'm so excited, we're already getting candidates excited and entering into our new course, and it is Candidate School 101 over on our Patreon. So yes, if you head over To brianickleshow.com forward slash candidate school. You can sign up. Now, this is not just for everybody. This is for people who are either A, already tossing their hat in the ring to run for office. And I'm specifically talking to you folks in the GOP and LP. If you're in the Liberty world, come talk to us. That's number one. Or number two, you're thinking about it. You're like, I don't know if this is what, if it's for me, you know, and even maybe if it is, what do I need to do? What are the basics? We're going to talk about that fundraising, messaging. How do you meet your voters where they're at on the issues they care about? All that and more. Plus, we're going to be going ahead, having roundtable conversations with elected officials, current candidates, and more. So if you want to go ahead and uh, sign up for, which I think is a very needed resource, and I've been hearing from you guys, it absolutely is a needed resource. Less than $10 a month, $9.95. You can go ahead and uh, get... In uh, involved in a part of our candidate school over on our Patreon. So I'll include that link here in the show notes. And you can check that out if you are joining us here over on our, our video version of the show, which you can find over on YouTube, Rumble, and on Odyssey. If you're joining us here on YouTube, do me a favor. Go ahead right here below. Hit the subscribe button and that little notification bell so you're not missing a single time we go live. And also, if you're joining us here on the YouTube version of the show, I'll make sure I include yesterday's conversation where I went through and I outlined the five ways you can instantly uh, become more persuasive and improve your communication skills overnight. Yeah, we talked about that. So I'll include that link right here below. But otherwise, folks, if you got some value from today's episode beyond giving it a share, beyond giving us a rating and review, I'm going to ask you to do me one more solid. And that is, please go ahead, give us uh, some support. If you don't want to necessarily run for office, but you still want to support the show, You can do so either five dollars a month or a one-time donation your choice whatever you can do i appreciate it because this is what keeps the lights on and frankly it's it's what allows us to keep doing this so if you're getting some value well i'd really appreciate it because it helps us uh yeah bring more value for you guys and leave you guys educated enlightened and informed so with that being said it's all i have for you today uh tomorrow we have a great episode in store and plus we have so many episodes lined up here this weekend to be airing for next week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever it is you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you listen to The Brian Nichols Show, go ahead and share your uh, your reviews here. I saw uh, Spotify is going through and doing their end of year summary. So if you listen to The Brian Nichols Show, I'd love to see your uh, your stats. So with that being said, thank you for joining us. Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com